0: Friends, today we begin a new summer sermon series entitled Misused or Misunderstood, which will encompass a number of scriptures that we are very familiar with that have often been quoted or used out of their context. So my hope for this series is that together we will see these scriptures a bit differently than we've heard or understood them before. Now with that being said, today we begin our message by looking at one of the most quoted passages of scriptures to come from the prophets in the Old Testament from Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11 which says this, for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, I don't know about you, but I love this verse because it affirms the all-knowing God who knows us better than we know ourselves and who desires good things for us, prosperity instead of calamity, coupled with hope and a bright future. This is one of those feel-good verses that we can write on a note card and put it on our office desk as a reminder or maybe even on the mirror in our bathrooms reminding us of God's faithfulness in our lives. This is a verse that we should open up our Bibles to and highlight it right there in the middle of our Bible as a reminder of God's love and care. But even though everything I have just told you is true and consistent with the whole of Scripture, some have misused this passage of Scripture to promote a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. You see, that's what can make Scripture dangerous for us when we take just one verse and make it say what we want it to say, ignoring the surrounding verses around it that provide insight to its actual meaning. I find that Jeremiah 29 verse 11 is best understood in its immediate context, not as a standalone verse. You see, you have to understand what's going on in the history of Israel during this time. After Solomon's reign, the kingdom of Israel was split into two kingdoms, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. The 12 tribes of Israel were divided up with 10 of them residing in Israel and only two in Judah. And Jeremiah is God's prophet to the south, a prophet to the land of Judah, speaking to a people who had been disobedient to God. They had worshiped foreign gods, they had exploited the poor, and they had done things that were detestable to living as God's people. God sends Jeremiah to proclaim his judgment upon them unless they repent But time and again, they refused to listen to him, and they refused to repent. Jeremiah had prophesied that God would punish them by sending the pagan nation of Babylon to destroy Jerusalem, taking them away from their homeland to live as exiles in Babylon. He predicted the destruction of God's temple, the brutal killing of their people, and a 70-year period of captivity. He spoke these things to the king of Judah, first to Jehoiakim and then to Zedekiah, who took the throne after him, but to no avail. Neither of them listened to his words. And the judgment that Jeremiah had predicted finally came true in 597 BCE, when King Nebuchadnezzar and his army surrounded Jerusalem and waited 18 months before setting fire to the city. After attacking Jerusalem, the Babylonians forced the majority of the people of Judah to serve in Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar's rule. But Jeremiah remained in the promised land of Jerusalem that had been reduced to smoldering rubble with a remnant of others. Our scripture today begins with Jeremiah writing a letter to all of the exiles of Judah and Babylon, which included the priests and the elders and the other prophets, His letter is God's word to his exiled people, offering the truth of what's taking place and what they are to do. Jeremiah tells them Build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produced, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Once again, Jeremiah's words are not what the people of Judah want to hear They have experienced death and destruction, the complete annihilation of their homeland. God's temple burned to the ground and now they find themselves in a foreign land filled with pagans who worship all kinds of deities. And now Jeremiah tells them that they're to settle into a new normal. He tells them to make lemonade out of lemons, to build homes and to plant gardens and to build up their families. He tells them to be peaceful and to seek the shalom or the well-being and prosperity of the city that they've been carried to. And if that's not hard enough to hear, they are also to pray to God to bless Babylon. As you can imagine, Jeremiah's words were probably not well received. They wanted to hear that the exile would soon be over, that they would be rescued and delivered from the hands of their oppressors. They wanted to return to life as normal and to rebuild their homeland. In fact, another prophet named Hananiah had declared that their exile would only last for two years. He was one of those good news prophets that everyone wanted to listen to. But Jeremiah warns them not to believe his lies. He tells them, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. Jeremiah tells them that these false prophets are telling them what they want to hear, not the truth. But Jeremiah gives them the truth, telling them, this is what the Lord says, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You see, this verse takes on a whole new meaning when it's read in the context of Judah's exile and not as a standalone verse that makes us feel good. Jeremiah essentially tells them that Babylon is their new home and that most of them will never return to Jerusalem. Even though they are receiving the just punishment for their sin, God hasn't abandoned them. And honestly, this is a tough pill to swallow. Everyone wanted to believe that it would all be over soon, that their suffering would be short-lived, but that's not what they were told. Yet in the midst of their despair, God tells them that all hope is not lost. And he commands them to pray for the peace of Babylon, for the prosperity of the city in which they now inhabit. While these Israelites would prefer to curse those who have taken them captive, their own blessing is dependent upon their prayers that God would bless their enemies It seems to foreshadow Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount that we are to pray for our enemies and for those who persecute us. Their old life is gone, and now they must adapt to a new way of life, which is not an easy change. And resisting this change or even resenting it will do them no good praying for God to take them out of captivity and to return them to their homeland isn't going to happen in their timing. No. They are to seek God's presence and to pray for God to help change them, to change their attitudes and their behaviors to be a blessing in the midst of this new normal. God's plans to prosper and not to harm them is not just in the promise 70 years down the road. It's to prosper them in the midst of their present exile. It's to be with them as they adapt and accept a new way of life, not just to endure their present situation, but to be involved in the care and concern of everyone. In the midst of the hatred that they have for their captors, God desires to change their hearts, that they would desire his peace, his shalom, and the well-being of all. You see, I find that this passage of scripture still speaks to us today. We haven't experienced the ransacking of our country from a foreign power. It's actually happening from within. We are experiencing the feeling of exile during this time of COVID-19. We have been forced to remain home, forced to change our behaviors, forced to change our way of lives due to this unseen virus. Our church hasn't been burned to the ground, but we aren't able to safely gather in our sanctuary without the fear of spreading this disease to one another. The coronavirus has caused serious illness and death in our nation and all over the world It has impacted the economic livelihood of many trying to maintain their businesses or to earn an income to provide for their daily needs. It has disrupted the health care needs of others whose pending surgeries or treatments have been postponed. Anxiety and uncertainty remain even as things slowly begin to reopen. It has fractured families who cannot be with their loved ones in the hospital or in assisted living facilities. And it's crippled the poor, while also majorly affecting the minority communities. In the midst of this exile, we continue to witness the injustices of African American lives treated as less than with the recent deaths of Ahmaud Aubrey and Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. Anger and heartache has overcome our nation as we continue to see the racial tensions escalate. And many have incited riots and violence, hurting the innocent and shattering the hopes of business owners who have lost everything that they have. All the while, false prophets tell us everything is okay and that it will soon be over. We long to believe them. Jeremiah cries out to us saying that we need to settle in to get used to this new normal and to pray for the prosperity and the welfare of the city of the state and of the country. In the midst of the anger and the frustration the hurt and the pain we are called to pray for our enemies and we're not called to be passive onlookers simply enduring the exile and just praying for God to speed up his timing. Instead, we are called to actively care for the well-being of everyone around us. Acknowledging that God refuses to abandon us, even in exile, we are not to abandon one another, nor our neighbors who struggle, who suffer, and who cry out during this time. We must stand up against the evils of racism and hatred that dehumanizes any person created in the image of God. And the good news of God is that we have hope in the midst of our exile together. God will not abandon us in any situation and longs to work in and through us as we seek his justice, practice his mercy, and walk humbly with him. For he has called us together as his people to walk in his truth and to affirm his love for everyone red, yellow, black, and white, Jew, and Gentile, Muslim, Buddhist, atheist, or Christian, as we love our neighbors as ourselves. The Apostle Paul writes, for everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We learn from the past. Israel endured their exile as they lived into a new normal, praying and working together for the shalom of everyone. Their hope was placed upon the shoulders of the God who led them into exile, who remained with them in the exile, and who carried them upon his shoulders out of exile and back to their homeland as promised. Today we find ourselves in exile. Wondering if God has abandoned us. Friends, he has not. Nor has he brought this calamity upon us. It's true that we all want a quick fix. We we want the virus eliminated. We want peace and reconciliation in our nation. And we want God to snap his fingers and make it happen right now. But God calls us to seek the welfare or the prosperity of the city to be bearers of his grace and of his forgiveness, to combat hate with his love, and to walk alongside all who struggle as God does so with each one of us. In the midst of exile, God gives us a word of hope. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, not to harm. To give you hope and a future. This is good news. All is not lost. God longs to prosper us in the midst of our exile, to give us hope and a future now as we work together for the peace and well being of our community, of our state, and of this nation. With God's help, together we can proactively endure this time of exile, acknowledging his presence with us, promoting his kingdom reign as we stand in solidarity as a church family who extends arms wide open to embrace anyone who longs for comfort, peace, love, and especially hope. Now more than ever, the church is called to be a witness a witness to the love of God that we believe comes to us in the flesh in Jesus the Christ, who cares for everyone, who was willing to give his life as a ransom for each and every one of us, that we might know God's love, that we might accept it, and that we might live into it together. So friends, let us in the midst of exile recognize God's presence with us and among us and let us be people who together endure because of the hope that we have in the God who has created us who has redeemed us and who sustains us to live as his people together especially during this time friends may it be so this day and forevermore in the name of the father and of the son